free speech, updates on Europe, and lessons from a personal rejection. Irishman stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This, of course, is the show exclusive to the Blaze, where you come for the accent, but you stay for the principles. I hope you're having a blessed and wonderful weekend. We have a jam-packed show for you today. And I want to start by talking to you about a story that has been breaking on the Blaze and other outlets and it's been written by about by several opinion people and i've seen many people on twitter twist these words and it's a very important conversation i think we need to have if you were being on twitter and you've been on social media you'll have heard that oh my god did you hear what ted lou the democratic rep said about free speech about how he and i quote would love to regulate the context of speech Sorry, the content of speech. Have you heard that? It's great clickbait. It's great article to write. Because you can just you take one sentence. Because he actually said that. But I actually want to talk to you about his whole comments. And actually say, have an honest conversation about free speech to you. I want to read his whole comment. In case you actually haven't heard it. He was on CNN. And here's his full quote in context. So it's a very good point you make. I would love to... If I could have more than five minutes to question witnesses, he was talking about questioning Google. Unfortunately, I don't get that opportunity. However, I'd love to be able to regulate the content of free speech. The First Amendment prevents me from doing so, and that's simply a function of the First Amendment. But I think over the long run, it's better the government does not regulate the content of speech. I would urge these private sector companies to regulate it better themselves. That's really nothing I believe the government can do, so that's been my position all along. So let's have a conversation about this. First of all, if you read an article about how he really wanted to regulate the the content of speech and it was a First Amendment violation, you know, that's a good tester of whether you actually, what type of sites you're clicking around. There are people in this industry on both sides of the aisle. I know everyone loves to think the right is high and mighty. It really isn't. I've been around this industry. I've worked with quite a lot of people. They love their clickbait. They love you getting you onto the website. And they give you a clickbait title. You see it, you go on, and you hopefully will click on two or three more articles. I see this all the time. I've been around it on social media. I see it. But let's have a conversation about free speech, shall we? So first of all, it's actually refreshing to hear, first of all, that... Someone's actually talking about the First Amendment and the Constitution and saying that, you know, it's a function of the First Amendment to not do it. Good to hear. It's very rare I hear anybody anybody talk about the Constitution and actually use the Constitution validly anymore. Should the government be involved in regulating the content of speech? No. 100%. If, you know, pretty much if you're a long-term listener, you know this. If Should the government... I don't need to listen to you after that. The answer is pretty much no. Should the government? No. Should should No. You don't need to complete the sentence. Should the government? No. Or maybe in my case it would be, should the government? Is it in Article 1, Section 8? No. Then no. That's That's pretty much my answer. Especially when it comes to the federal government. So, let's just get that out of the way. But I want to provide a context to you because of my experience, because of who I, how I've been around. He's urging private sector companies to regulate speech better. Now, obviously, it's very hard to to sit in Ted Lou's mind and exactly what companies are you talking about. But I do believe when you have freedom, freedom is a great idea. You talk about freedom all the time. Lots of people talk about freedom. But for me, if you do not have freedom and responsibility, 
you're not having a complete sentence. So he's actually talking about the responsibility of private sector companies. And I do think there is a responsibility there. Now, we'll come back to Google and Facebook and Twitter in a minute, but I just want to talk about some private sector companies. As someone who has been an editor, managing editor for a website, who has edited, helped edit people's work, who has been a head of radio for another company, who has helped give people the start in the radio industry and internet radio, I believe there is a responsibility. When I hired people and when I fired people, there was I took my responsibilities very seriously. So when we, just to give you the, you don't need to know the ins and outs of this, but when we were setting up all those companies and when we were doing things and when I was hiring people, content producers, there were certain things that you were not allowed to say. For example, let me give you an example, simple example. One of the first things we said was no racism. I don't care what your point is. If you're racist, you could make the greatest point ever. If it was streaked in racism, it wasn't going on our platform. Now, does someone ha- does, would someone say, well, John, you, I thought you liked the First Amendment. I do. It's about the government. This is about what's going on the platform. I help create or I help manage or I help run. I'm not putting that out. Likewise, let me give you another example. The second one was no anti-Semitism. If your answer was, well, oh, there's all these problems in the world and, you know, gosh darn it, it's just a Jew's fault. I'm sorry, I'm not publishing it. And you sure as hell, when I was head of radio, you sure as hell ain't saying it. And if you got away with, if you got through the screening process and then all of a sudden decided to say that, I'm sorry, you were fired. There, there, there wasn't much of a discussion. If it's just a Jew's fault, I'm sorry, you're fired. Just, I have no time for it. So I believe there actually is a responsibility on companies to do it. We just, we had that process. Let me, but let me not just go to an extreme example of hate. Let me give you another example. If someone came to me and said, you know, I, I want to write this great article. Okay, cool. What do you want to write? Or you want to do a presentation. Okay, cool. What do you want to do a presentation on? Well, you know what? I, I think socialism and communism has been given a bad rap in the media. I actually think socialism is the way forward. And, and you know what? I, I, I think, you know, democratic socialism might be the way. I don't see me publishing that article. I don't think see me going, you know what, that's an article we should publish on our website. Now, if it was steeped in facts, we might. We might have. I highly doubt it, but, you know, I just don't see it. If someone did a show on it, I don't see it. If people are saying, you know what, Mao and Stalin and Pot were gravely misunderstood. How Che is really a hero. Again, these are just simple topics, which I see a lot of people talking about. I'm like, I'm not, my platform that I run, as long as I have a any power in my and when I was running there I wouldn't have run it and if it was run I would have fired the person and if I wasn't allowed to fire the person I would have left so am I anti-free speech all of a sudden am I all of a sudden a hater am I all of a sudden afraid no I just took my responsibility very seriously I am all for the battleground of ideas we had I published many opinions which uh, if you've never been an editor, this is why I always I don't get involved in the the games that go on between people. Uh, being an editor is one of the hardest jobs you will ever be, because as an editor, the amount of stuff I had to publish, and uh, the amount of content I had to see on websites I was connected to, that I was just like that is just wrong. And I mean, when I mean wrong, I don't mean wrong like grossly wrong. I just mean I'm sorry. Your logic is just I just don't get it. I fully disagree with it. But you got to press publish anyway. It's really tough. I'm not anti-free speech. I've published stuff that people have said, you know, the GOP is awesome. Heck, when I was working for a company a while back that I was head of radio for, we had a few big, big Donald Trump supporters who thought Donald Trump was God. This is before the, you know, this is when the primaries. I saw some of the stuff they were putting out. I was like, oh, dear Lord. Just, I'm like, just idol worship. Okay. That's good for you. It got published. I disliked it. I disagreed with it. But we published it. We we let it forward. So I'm not anti-free speech or I'm not a hater. But there is a line. Because I actually believe in responsibility. I actually believe in corporate responsibility. Even though we weren't per, per se a business making money. 
But we had a responsibility. I believed we had a responsibility to the reader, to the viewers, to the listeners, to put forward the best product that was intellectually honest, that was intellectually consistent, that gave a variation of views on the quote-unquote American race. From the Republican view to the Donald Trump view because it was in the election, to the conservative view to the to more libertarian-minded. We put out all of that. But there are certain things that were just off-limits. Am I all of a sudden a hater? Do, do I, was I wrong in saying I had that responsibility? Was I wrong when I was in board meetings? Uh, obviously, it wasn't a board. It was more of a virtual board. When I was sitting on conference calls with the other senior managers of the company, going, well, you have to have certain standards. Was I a hater? Was I wrong? Or was I inconsistent in who I am? And then we get on to the companies I actually think he might be talking about. Facebook, Twitter. Google. Now we have to separate these into groups. Facebook and Twitter. We've covered these topics over before. They have a right to run their company how they run their company. If you do not like us, don't use them. I, I personally find it very hard to criticize Facebook and Twitter for one reason. Because... From a legal point of view and also a moral point of view in my eyes, but just let's take the legal point of view. You don't pay any money for the service. You know, it's like me giving out, you know, free candies on the street and all of a sudden you thinking you have an opinion to go, well, John, why, why are you always only giving me Snickers when I can have Mars? Why don't you ever give out Mars for free? Because it's free. Just take it. Also, to be truthful, I wouldn't be able to connect with, with you guys and have conversations both publicly and privately without social media, without Facebook and Twitter. And I don't pay any money for that. That's a service I get for free. Now, yeah, I know it's not for free because they have access to your information. They have access to where you are, all those things. Okay, I get that. But physically out of my pocket, do I pay with a visa? Do I pay with a credit card? Do I pay with Bitcoin? No, zero dollars. Same with Twitter. Obviously, if I want to advertise, which I don't, that costs me money, but it's free. They can run their service how they want to run their service. And if enough people left their service, they would change. The problem that we have right now with social media, especially with Facebook and Twitter, is everyone likes giving out about them, but no one ever wants to leave. It's like going to a restaurant going, oh, man, you know what? Let's just give an example. You know, you go to this restaurant. Oh, man, the service is crap. The toilets are filthy. My steak was overcooked. The starter I wanted was off was off you know was off sale it wasn't available my dessert wasn't quite fresh it wasn't bad but it wasn't 100% fresh or the pastry was a bit hard but then next week we go back into that restaurant where's the incentive for the restaurant to go well you keep giving out about us you keep posting negative reviews but you keep coming back to us we'll see you next week and you'll buy the same amount oh but the service is crap oh I don't like it you know I had to wait 20 minutes for my main course and then next week you keep coming back Where's the incentive for the restaurant to change? If people actually who were angry at Facebook and Twitter got off and left, then they'd have an incentive to change. They'd go, okay, X amount of people had left. We need to get them back. We're losing money. Can you imagine the news headlines in the world where if like, even even like a small percentage of conservatives who are very vocal about Facebook sucking, if... 500,000 people just delete their accounts tomorrow on Facebook. That would make the news. There would be all of a sudden, there'd be inquiries. Why did 500,000 people delete their Facebook profiles? Same on Twitter. It would be major news. Then it comes to companies like Google. The problem we actually have right now that I see is you have a not a free market system. With rules and regulations, you don't have a free market system. You have big government gone crazy. And you have brands which have the advantage, like Facebook, like Google, like Twitter. And no one wants to admit the problem. We just covered the surface where these these corporations are treating everyone unfairly. Do I think it's smart the way Facebook is running their business? No. Do I think it's it's the way would I run Facebook? If all of a sudden John was the CEO of Facebook and John had all the power, would I run Facebook the way Mark Zuckerberg runs it? Nope. It's easy for me to say, though. Monday morning quarterback, huh? It's like me saying, you know what, if I was Tom Brady, would I would I have played the game the way they played it the other day? If I was the the the, the head of the New England Patriots when they were playing against Miami the other day, would I have run the game the way they did? Nope. Guess what? 
Monday morning quarterback is the easiest job in the world. If I was Jack, if Jack was all of a sudden John, would I run Twitter the way Jack does? Nope. Jack has that right, though. Same with Google. Big companies are not necessarily bad, but these have so much power. They dominate the markets. And until people decide to move on, it's going to keep dominating the market. Look, I'm not a big fan of Google. I'm very wary of Google. We spoke about briefly last week, you know, what they're doing and getting in bed with the Chinese government. I don't think that's a good move. I don't think that's a healthy move. I, 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 the fact they're even considering it, even, you know, even if, imagine John's the CEO of Google and China comes to go, hey, listen, here's what we want to do. Uh, we want you to regulate speech. Do you think John is even entertaining that? Do you think that even gets past initial discussions? Do you think John even says, well, let's think about this for a minute, shall we? No. It's like, you want me to cut? No. Sorry. Best of luck. Best of luck with your market. We want to help you, but it, not in those terms. We have to have honest conversations. I believe in free speech. But freedom is a great idea, but without responsibility, it does not work. Without responsibility, it does not work. Private companies must be responsible. Not by be responsible by, hey, if you don't do this, we're going to pull you in front of Congress and say, you have to do certain. No. The responsibility, I actually believe in the free market. And here's another thing. I actually believe in the people. I actually believe in you to make the right decision. Because I actually believe if enough things happen, you just stop using them. And then all of a sudden, Google is not a big part of your life anymore. Likewise with Facebook. I actually believe eventually something will happen where if they keep going down this path, you will actually have 500,000 people deleting their accounts. I don't know what that magic line is. I actually think you will do it. Because I actually believe in the power of the market, the invisible hand of the market, where your actions will come back to you. You will reap what you sow. That is actually what I believe in. I actually want companies to be held responsible, not by the government, but by their people. Or if not by the people, by their shareholders to go, hey, what are you doing? What exactly are you doing? Why are you alienating 50% of the people? That is not smart. We have to have honest conversations. And if we can start having honest conversations about the real problems and not making it about sides, we will change these things. If we actually believe in free market principles, because here's the thing about free market principles. People don't like it when I say free market principles because of the tariffs right now with Donald Trump and stuff. When I say free market principles, here's what I'm actually saying. Substitute, every time John says free market principles, you have the power to decide what actually is good and bad. Not government, not a president, not a kilometer of people, not lobbyists, you. By how you spend your money, how you spend your time, that is the free market. You are the boss. And with your purchasing power, even how limited it is, it makes a difference. How you spend your time, if you're on Facebook and Twitter, if you're on Google, or if you're on another company, if you're on MeWe, if you're on some other search engine, if you're on Yahoo, your time and your words mean something. Your dollar means something. When I say free market, that's what I'm saying. I'm empowering you. You're the customer. That is where I believe 100% of the power should be. And your actions or inactions will decide whether a company is successful or not. Not lobbyists, not Congress, not presidents, not democratic leaders, not anyone. Not big government, not rules and regulations, but you. That is what the power of the free market is. And that is why in 2019, I don't know how we're going to do it, but I'm going to start talking to you about the free market a lot more because I believe the message of Adam Smith the message of Milton Friedman, the message of Hayek and Van Mises needs to be broken down in a whole new way and explained to you in very simple terms to you and to every, as many people as possible. Because so many people look around today and think this is a free economy. It's not a free economy. It's a very controlled free economy. We have accepted lobbyists. You've accepted government in your life. But if we start painting a path forward where it's not government, it's the individual who has the power. I believe people on both sides of the aisle will go, yeah, I want the power. I want to be able to control things. I think people will like that, where they understand that their power with their responsibility will solve all these problems. 
because the world has many, many problems right now. But the answers stay the same. Do you empower government or do you empower the individual? I'm planting my stake in the sand and making my line in the sand going, 100% of the time I'm going to empower the individual. Yeah, they might screw it up. Yeah, they might choose the way I don't like. But you know what? Usually, the individual gets it right more times than not. I'd like everyone to follow me on Twitter, if possible, Freedom Disciple, Facebook, Jonathan Dunn 58 As always, a new show is released every Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. We're always on all the platforms. We had a, our best ever month in November. That is down to you. Thank you so much. So please subscribe to whatever platform you listen on, SoundCloud, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play Music, Stitcher, OmniFM, Spotify, CastBox, whichever you're on, please subscribe. You get notified every time there's a new show, which is Saturday at 12 noon Eastern. Also, if you happen to listen on iTunes, please, if I could ask a favor, leave a rating, leave a review. It helps with the algorithm so we can reach more and more new people and get new people listening to this, you know, this sexy Irish accent and with a bit, a few principles thrown in. I want to provide you with an update of what's going on and some of the issues we've spoken about over the last couple of weeks because they're very important and they will eventually affect the United United States and they will affect the world. And I want to start in Britain first. So Britain is in... I I don't know how to describe it without using the word chaos. it's, It's almost comical what's going on in britain if it wasn't so serious and it wasn't so sad it's comical you literally have a civil war and i hate using this but that's what the media are calling a civil war within the conservative movement in britain the sad thing about so many of these political wars quote-unquote even though they're not wars is it's never based around the principle what you seem to have in, in the United Kingdom right now is a civil war between those who like Theresa May and Brexit and those who don't. It's never about an underlying principle. It's never about, you know, should we have free trade or, you know, not, or should we have more government or not. It's never based around principles. It's all based around, you know, something big or a person. In this case, it's Theresa May. So Theresa May, you know, as we spoke about on last week's show, had all these votes and lost three big votes and wasn't looking good and her leadership has been called into question and people were writing letters of no confidence in her and you know there was a potential deal which i spoke about that she was going to bring to parliament she hasn't brought it because it will not get it will not pass and they they had a vote yesterday this week on whether she should have the the confidence of her party and she needed the majority of her party ultimately i think she got about 60 percent of the vote so she's still prime minister but it wasn't a resounding win. Like, if you're only getting 60% support from your own members of parliament, it's not strong. Anything could change in the next week, two weeks, three weeks. It's heading into Christmas and holidays, and politicians like they're off time as much as anyone else. So I think it might settle down, but in January it'll build right back up. There's a chance that you have a new prime minister very soon. There's also a chance she survives. Because one of the deals she made was... She said, look, get me through here, get me through, we'll deal with Brexit, I'll go negotiate with Brexit, but I won't lead you into the next election. That was one of the agreements and the concessions she made. And it's funny watching how people are, you know, comparing leaders. You know, it's always amazing to me how people compare leaders. They're comparing Theresa May in the UK and certain parts of society to Margaret Thatcher. Let me be quite blunt when it comes to principles. If Margaret Thatcher was in government right now and was the head of the Conservative Party, Theresa May at best would be head of the Labour Party in in Margaret Thatcher's England. Whereas now it's, well, you know, she's a woman. Thatcher was a woman. You know, she had a revolt in the Conservative Party. Theresa May had a revolt in the Conservative Party. They're obviously alike. When it comes to principles, they're nothing alike. Margaret Thatcher should have been, should be admired. Was an incredibly articulate, smart, well-thought-out woman who, 
got to the top of her field, not because she was a woman, not because of you know how she dressed or anything, because she was the best person for the job. She was a great leader. Probably the greatest leader since Churchill, from an English point of view. Uh, I don't know who people would argue with, because English people have different opinions of leaders. There's still people in England who don't think Churchill was a great leader. So, okay. But these comparisons, it's always funny to me. You know, you, you see them in America, you see them in Ireland, you see them around the world. Well, they go through similar circumstances that are clearly the same person. Really, they're not. When it comes to principles. There is nothing in common between Theresa May and Margaret Thatcher, with the two exceptions of both been female and both been head of the conservative movement. But she made this concession. They went to the vote. She got 60%. She's still prime minister. She was in Europe this week, and they're like, we'll help you, but we're not renegotiating the deal. You also had this big ruling in, in the European court, which is incredible. So basically, uh, Article 50 of the Constitution says you can pull out of... of Europe, which is what Brexit is. It's invoking Article 50. Well, the European court said, you know what, we made this ruling. You can actually decide not to, you know, you don't have to invoke it. Just because the people voted and you had a referendum doesn't mean you have to invoke it. So they've given that power to them. But they won't give the power when it comes to politicians and to Brexit to actually just leave unilaterally. Just go. The people spoke. People had their voice. They want it out. They want to change. Let's get out. It's incredible. What you're seeing in the United Kingdom is a political farce, which, speaking to some English people, are not happy about. They're getting bored. Honestly, I read the articles. I I get bored of it. It's literally like it's either the biggest fear-mongering of all time or you have these ridiculous uh, comparisons of May to Thatcher. There's no principles being discussed. The political establishment haven't learned their lesson that they're not happy with how things are going. And my fear is, as it always is, is the extremists are going to rise in Britain. You have some very bad people in Britain. Some very bad people who Americans actually like. Some very bad groups in Britain. Which are, in a European context, far right. There's a very big difference between what is considered right in America and right in Europe. And it's not good. And you can see maybe them getting power. Or worse, you could see Jeremy Corbyn get power. And Jeremy Corbyn makes Hillary Clinton look like an awesome candidate. He is that bad. He is horrible. So you're seeing that in the United Kingdom. What's also incredibly interesting is how people are talking in the media and in certain aspects of the media, openly flaunting wanting the will of the people to be subverted. The people voted, whether they had logic, whether they had reason, whether they had principles behind them, the people voted to leave the European Union. And because of the financial industry, the financial industry very much wants to stay part of Europe. You're seeing people openly flaunted. So when Theresa May got her deal, the the FTSE went up. You think with all this chaos that's going on in Britain right now, because it is chaos... Financial markets are being ruined. They're not. They're actually up this week because they actually want to stay part of the European Union. They don't care how they get there. If it it means Britain stays part of the European Union, markets will go up because they haven't, they don't, they want to stay there. They like the idea of Europe. They like the idea of a one currency. It's purely selfish. It's purely greed. It's not about the people. It's about greed. Which leads me to France. So last weekend, you had more riots. The riots didn't just stay in France. They didn't just stop there. They went to Belgium. They're starting to spread. There's unrest in Europe. And again, what's going to happen when there's unrest? Principles won't be discussed. Logic won't be discussed. Reason won't be discussed. Hate will be discussed. Fear will be discussed. Power will be discussed. So Francis Macron made all those concessions. What do you think happened? What did we talk about in last week's show? All these people who were like burning stuff down and, you know, vandalizing stuff and, you know, letting out their their personal frustrations in a way that you can decide whether you agree with or not. They let out all these frustrations and he, he caved to them. What do you think is going to happen? Do you think they all went, oh, well, we, we, we got our voices heard. We got our few little concessions. Let's go off home. No. It was arguably the worst weekend, even worse than the previous ones. And he's agreed to more concessions. He went on prime time French television and went, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I haven't listened to you. 
Uh-huh. Again, no principles discussed. And he's making more concessions. What do you think is going to happen from here? Whether it's these yellow vest protests or it's another type of protest. You've just told everyone that if you do enough damage to Paris, if you do enough damage and enough vandalism and enough criminal damage and you hurt and attack enough police officers, eventually they will cave and you will get what you want. Is that a healthy society? Is that how you want change to happen? Because that's what's happening in France. To show you the magnitude of what's happening in France right now and how big it is, of how big the concessions he has made. We spoke last week about the carbon tax. So, you know, the carbon tax is, you know, for the environment. You know, it's it's carbon offsets, man. You know, we, we gotta we gotta save the planet. We got five hundred days to climate chaos. I think that's gone. That five hundred days is long gone, by the way. But now, you know, we've I think it's the new red line is like ten years. It's all of a sudden it's it's just all make money. But you know, all this climate chaos and climate change and la 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 the war the world is getting warmer by point two degrees. <gasps> oh my god. By the way, just just on a side note, the, the the Met Office, you know, the weather channel that you have over there in England has said there's a new vo- polar vortex coming. It's going to be one of the coldest winters of all time. But global warming. Global warming, man. Global warming is real. Or no, it's cli- I think, no, they changed it again. Because I, I, I'm sorry. I just, I need to go into my re-education camp. I, I keep forgetting what it's called. It's not global warming. It's not global cooling. That was before. It's not, it's, 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 oh, we're on a pause right now. Isn't it? Are we still on the pause? Or like, do I need to go to my re-education camp? But we called it something else. I'm sorry. I, there's so many names today. I just, I'm just totally out of it. It's, it's global warming. It's global cooling. It's climate chaos. It's a pause. I just, I, I don't know. I, I need to go to my daily re-education camp. Do you know what they should do? The fake news? They should just give us a list of terms we're allowed to use and not use. Because that would be just so much easier for all our lives, wouldn't it? But anyway, just that's just a side point. This global warming tax, you know, because, you know, electric, or electricity is the way forward. Electric cars. You fuel guzzlers, you know, you're, you, you people who want fossil fuels and gasoline. You're the enemy. We're going to put a tax on you. We're gonna, and we're doing this for the sole purpose, the sole purpose of saving the earth. Because I'm compassionate. You're a hater. If you use fossil fuels, you're the enemy. I'm good and compassionate. Well, because they they put a pause on this tax, the government revenues all of a sudden went down, and they said, "Well, that's a problem." Because he's made more concessions, government revenues are going to go down even more. So much so that one of the terms in the agreements that you have to be part of the euro is what they call fiscal responsibility. It's actually one reason, the one reason I wish America would be part of Europe if you enforce these rules. Because you're only allowed to have a budget deficit of like, I think it's 1.5%. And if you're over that, you have to basically go in front of the European Council and say, why? Well, after Macron gave that speech and all the concessions he gave, the European Union came out straight away going, we're now issuing a warning over the deficit of France. Why? Because of chaos. Because of the anarchy. Because there's no fiscal responsibility. Because, here's the thing, if you want big government, you have to fund it some way. If you want big government, you want big government programs, and you want socialist programs, which Macron does want, then you got to fund it somehow. And if you start making all these tax concessions to a certain amount of people, your funding goes down. But yet, if you don't make spending cuts, you have a deficit. What's going to happen in France is anyone's guess. Here's what could happen. Everything does settles, goes back to normal, chaos goes away, it goes Christmas, New Year 2019, everyone you know, goes back to, hey, we, we, we love each other, we're all French people. That's a possibility. They could all just go, you know what, we got what we wanted, let's leave. And it all dissipates. Could happen. Or it could kick off again in 2019, where they don't like Macron. Where they go back to the last election where you had a fascist and a and a communist, pretty much. You have the far right versus the far left. You have Sophie's Choice. Which one do you choose? Where you pick this maybe watered-down version of, you know, Marion Le Pen, who spoke at CPAC for some crazy asinine reason, because conservatism in America has kind of lost its mind as well. Which is, that is the sad thing. That's why conservatism in America is so important. You need to find your roots. Where her father is an anti-Semite. And all of a sudden, they're whitewashing the history of, well, look, they maybe he was, but we're not. We didn't speak out, or we didn't condemn it, we didn't say we're against it, we just said nothing. But that's okay. You could have her. Because, hey, she's a pretty lady, huh? Why not? 
You could have Marion Le Pen. Who knows? Or you could have some other crazy left-wing person. Maybe Hollande make, makes a comeback. Maybe, you know, the scandal-ridden Sarkozy comes back from the past. Crazy, crazy stuff happening in Europe right now. What is the answer? Once again, principles. Freedom. Nature's law and nature's God. If America is not going to stand for them, who will it reintroduce the world to these? Who will see this consistency? Which leads me to the last story. One of the advantages, supposedly, about being in Europe, which I'm technically part of. It's never a term you'll ever hear me say. I begrudgingly say I'm Irish. But technically, I'm European. Yay, Europe. What's my re-education? Europe is great. Europe is awesome. All hail Europe. All hail to the Republic of Europe. But I'm European, apparently. But one of the supposed advantages of being in Europe is, you know, you have, you know, you have European cooperation among nations, you know, because we're all Europe. Well, last week, sadly, yet again, another terrorist attack had happened in Strasbourg. And what you saw was two really troubling things. First of all, you saw another terrorist attack. Yet again, there is another terrorist attack where innocent people are dead. What will be discussed? I saw the European Parliaments have all these fancy speeches about how, you know, our we're, our thoughts and our prayers, and we're so sad, and we we're there for the people who lost their lives, and we're there for their families, and they are not alone in their moment of grief, which is all great. Thoughts and prayers are very helpful, but we also need action. Do we ever address what's going on? Do we even address? Islam been a major problem. And I said Islam, Muslim. I don't want to have to go over this yet again, as we've done in the past. There is a difference between Muslims and Islam. A very big difference. I work on a network which has Muslims. Zudi Jasser. I always, it's sad that I have to point this out to some people. I can live beside Zudi Jasser. I'm proud to work with Zudi Jasser on the same network. Zudi Jasser, while I don't agree with him on everything... And we have some major disagreements because I have disagreements with everyone. There's not a person in God's green earth I don't disagree with. I I can live beside him. I love John, I love Zuddy Jasser. He knows about John Locke. He talks to you about freedom all day long. I I can live beside Zuddy Jasser. I can live beside a whole load of Zuddy Jassers. I can live beside Muslims. When the the Charlie Hebdo attacks are going on, who was the police officer? What what was he who you know stopped the the terrorist? He was Muslim. There's a big difference between Muslim and Islamists. And until we start actually calling these out, because so many people just say, oh, Muslims are all the problem. You see this in Europe all the time. It's Muslims that are the problem. No, it's not. It's not Muslims. It's Islamists. But we don't even call them by their name. Or if you want to be precise, Islamo-Nazis. Because that's their history. That is their history with Hitler and the Grand Mufti. If you ever want to research why I call them that, go research Hitler and the Grand Mufti. You'll start seeing links and you'll start finding that path of, of information. We don't call them by their name. Do we talk about, you know, open borders? Nope. But the second troubling part of what happened was, in Strasbourg, was the, the authorities came out and said, wow, we didn't, we, this guy wasn't on our radar. And then France, the France, it came out, the French authorities knew this guy, had identified him as a potential terrorist. Why aren't you all talking? This has highlighted that it's kind of like the debate that used to happen, and I'm sure it probably does happen in certain circles. Remember the whole debate whether the CIA and the FBI talk to each other? This great old debate in the US. Well, it's kind of similar in, in Europe. Are, are, do the French authorities not talk to the German authorities? You have, free, you have free travel. So if a guy is a problem in France, he could be a problem anywhere in Europe. He can get anywhere. These are problems that we have to address then there's obviously the principal problem of, hey, do you have a right to protect yourself? Are you just a sitting duck in some of these malls, in some of these you know, little markets which this terrorist attack happened in? Because you're seeing major, major trouble. Will we actually discuss principles or will we just continue going on with our usual cliches, with our usual you know, politicians acting a certain way but you know, not real change? Will we continue on with our extremes of, well, it's just all Muslims. Just It's easy just to brand them all together. Or will we actually break it down what the truth is? Because what you're seeing in Europe right now is very important. If Europe starts going on fire, if listen, people are upset to me. Why, why are you talking about Europe an awful lot over the last couple of weeks? 
do you know where the where the, you know there's been two world wars in the world in the history of the world where were both of them held Europe has the hot potential to go really really south the reason I'm warning these and talking about these is full disclosure because because sometimes when I talk about American politics if I say certain key words people just tune out I'm living in Europe right now I live in Ireland which is part of the European Union and I'm seeing what's happening and I'm seeing chaos travel everywhere and I see no one talking principles and what I actually can see is what the media say is happening in the US right now which is not happening a rise of the extremes on both sides except there is no rise of a good extreme in in Europe I wish there was a rise of extreme freedom loving people I wish it was the right as in an American sense where there's this rise of you know patriotic freedom loving constitutionalists who actually believe in nature's law, nature's God, Article 1, Section 8 of the Constitution. I wish, if we were extremists, because I am extreme when it comes to freedom. I got no problem admitting. I am very extreme when it comes to leaving people the hell alone. But what I see in Europe is chaos, is anarchy, is a rise of, and the choice between, hey, do we want the national socialists? Or do we want the fascists? Or do we want the communists? Because when they're my choice, I choose none. Hey, well, let's go for the fascists this time. Let's see how they work. Or, hey, maybe let's go for the National Socialists because, you know what, they never really win. Or, hey, let's just go for the communism because, you know what, Lenin wasn't that bad. Look, Stalin, look, he was misunderstood. No, I'm choosing none. I'll choose freedom, even if that means I lose. The only person, the only person, country the only people who has ever got freedom is america there's been people around the world pockets i include myself hopefully in one of them who have got freedom who are not part of america but we're in the vast minority america the reason i'm talking about what's happening in europe is one to warn you this could happen in your country because there is one last story i want to talk to you about which already kind of did happen in your country, but it's amazing how it's glossed over. So there was a potential terrorist attack, and I haven't seen much on this story because it's been buried. But Parliament, a guy with a knife tried to get into Parliament the other day, when all the members were there. And it brought up, there was this story about how it highlights how Parliament is still not 100% secure, and that if someone got a bit of luck on their side, they could do major damage. You had that with the Steve Scalise shooting, which is just totally forgotten about. It's just amazing how that day just seems to be wiped from your history. Where a shooter was at the baseball field. You're seeing all these chaos. I'm sharing these stories because this is what's happening in Europe. And as a warning, this could happen near you. But also, secondly, most importantly, for you to understand your place in the world. For you to understand how incredibly privileged, how incredibly honoured, and yes, how much responsibility comes with being an American. Because if you follow the path of your, where you just make things about sides, guess what? You're just going to continue on this train to anarchy. You will be Europe in about five years. Whereas if you actually get back to what your founders spoke about, if you actually read what George Washington wrote in his farewell address especially about the two-party system, and took his warning as seriously as it was meant to be taken, then you can actually start changing both yourselves and by your actions, by becoming that beacon of light, of actually understanding your role in the world, of being freedom-loving people, you will then share that with the rest of the world. Because the rest of the world will finally, people like me will have the roadmap to say, that's the way forward. That's the way forward. Let's follow them. That is why I'm talking about Europe a lot over the last two, three weeks. Please do not go down this road. Please take these words very, very seriously. 
I don't know what Europe could happen in Europe. I'm not a, I don't have a crystal ball. I'm not wearing this big cape and have a bit of makeup on. I'm not, hey, rubbing my crystal ball going, hey, this is, this is a mystic John here. This is, this is what's happening in Europe in the future. I don't know. There's a chance it might go back to be peacetime. But there is a movement under place that can make things go very, very south in Europe very quickly. You're seeing it in Germany. You're seeing it in, in, in France. You're seeing it in the United Kingdom. Who knows what will happen? But take these warnings very seriously and also understand why you're so privileged to live in America. And if you have those principles because you have them, you start following them again. You can be the beacon of light because you can be free and you can be above the chaos. You can change direction once again. Let us be part of the generation which makes freedom and the Constitution cool and hip. I was going to say again, but maybe it's never been cool and hip. So let's just change it to let's make freedom and leaving people alone and the Constitution cool and hip for the first time. Let's let other people know our secrets because we know how cool the Constitution is. We know how cool freedom is. We know how empowering it is. Let's share that message with the rest of the world. finish up today's show by talking to you just something about about something personal and just uh, something I've learned this week and I'm learning because of the season we're in it but also because I'm reflecting a lot on our society today each and every one of us has great potential and we have so many instruments in front of us today everyone has them that we can use for incredible good or incredible bad Earlier this week, it was actually last Sunday, I sent an email to someone. And who the person is is totally irrelevant and I needed some help. And I sent the email and I even put it out on Facebook, you know, I'm about to send a very important email. I appreciate your thoughts and prayers right now. And... One of the things I really do really suck at as a person is I really suck at asking for help. It's just not something. I'm always the person who I always try and help others. And I sent this email to someone and who said they'd helped me in the past. And I said, listen, hey, this is what I need. Um, can I talk to you about something? And long story short, I haven't heard back from that person. Now, I know the person is, is working, is around, is, has been speaking to other people, but I haven't heard back. I want to take you on this path as how other people react to today. And I want to take you as if this person was someone famous and as if this person was just regular Joe. And talk to you about how our industry deals with things like this. If this was just an ordinary person, and I was just an ordinary person, I was just a regular person, it'd be so tempting just to get on Facebook and go, oh my God, I sent this person a, you know, a, 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 an email asking for help. They've claimed to be a friend in the past. They said, oh, you need anything, come help me. Come ask me. I sent an email and I get nothing back. I don't even get a, a dear John, sorry, I can't help you right now. I just get nothing. I could get a, you know, you know, shame ever who this per individual's name is. Get that on the hashtag on trending on Twitter or try to. I could, you know, say this is this person's a fake. I could embellish the story. I could call them out. I could say who they work for. Now imagine if that person was someone famous. I could go on their, their Facebook page and go, this person's a fraud, a liar, a cheat. Everyone who didn't like this person then would jump on going, yeah, see, I told you. I always said he or she was a fake. I always knew they weren't quite right. You see, they're all talk. And we'd have all this hatred and all this anger. We have so much potential inside us. Potential to love and potential to destroy. In our industry, 
so much of our industry is about ego. And I'm talking specifically now about talk radio, I'm talking about writing, I'm talking about podcasting, I'm talking about videos, anybody in the freedom movement. So much, there are some really good people out there, but so much is about your own ego. It's not about the freedom movement, it's not about any movement, it's not about doing good, it's not about serving, it's about me. About the bottom dollar. How many people clicked on my website? How many people listened to me? How many people watched me? How many people read my article? Even if it doesn't advance anything, it's all about me. And we live in this culture, which is in the conservative culture, but it's also in your mainstream culture and in America around the world, is where we love just tearing someone apart. We love building these people up into megastars, into superstars. Think of this in Hollywood. You know, we love below oh, they're so great, they're so awesome. Then they step out of line, oh, they're the biggest jerk in the world. Or they're whatever, fill in the blank. They're fake, they're frauds. And we love seeing people crash and burn and piling on. The one thing we never seem to do anymore is put ourselves in the other person's shoes. And this is where I want to take you back to the, my email. And let's just look at it from the other side. Because I was a bit upset this week. And, you know, I was like, wow. I, I, I sent an email. I reached out for help. And knowing me who I am, I was like, that took an awful lot to send that email. I think I wrote that email several times and then I my finger hovered over the, the send button several times because I'm like, just don't ask for help. Just don't, don't, you know, you, there's a lot of reasons why I don't like asking for help, but which we won't get into today. But it, it took a lot for me to send that email. But then I started thinking, I was like, it's the season we're in, let's think about this for a second. The email I sent is very personal asking for help let's say for whatever reason I was the person on the receiving end of that email and for whatever reason I wasn't able to help how do you write that email back how do you write that email back are we good at telling people sorry I just can't help you right now are we in a position are we in a society where we actually want to have honest conversations right now are we in a position where we're willing to, you know, put ourselves in awkward positions? Or is it just easier just to tuck things under the rug? And I think we're in a situation right now where we don't like honest conversations. We're afraid of honest conversations in many ways. And then I got thinking even more. Because we never ever put ourselves in the situation of someone else. Well, what else could that person be going through? You know, it's easy just to focus on me because I'm the sender of the email and about, well, how I feel and how hard it was for me to ask this person. And this person had said to me in the past, if I can help you in any way, you just let me know. Uh, it's easy to think like mine. But then as I was thinking more about, well, I don't know what's going on in their life right now because we haven't spoken in a while. Maybe they're going through some stuff. Maybe they're busy. Maybe they just haven't got around to responding to me yet. Maybe they're dealing with something personal in their life. Maybe they're dealing with something in their work life. That is huge that for whatever reason, yeah, they're, they're around, but they're not quite mentally there. You know, we all have days like that. We all have weeks like that. You know, those weeks where you're like, yeah, you turn up to work. You're there physically. You're there maybe mentally, but emotionally you're not there. You're dealing with something else. You're worried about something else. It can be something simple. It doesn't have to be something serious. You know, you're worried about, gee, how am I going to put food on the table next month? You know, there's a big deal in business. What happens if I don't get this deal in work? What happens if I lose my job? I'm worried about my friend losing their job. It could be something like, you know, even something simple like, you know, my wife or my husband or my kid or my sister's gone for a scan. And it'd probably be nothing, but it could be something. Mentally, you're not there. You're physically there. You're maybe mentally there, but emotionally, you're worried about something else. And you just can't deal with anything else. You know, we all have things in life that just get on top of us. 
We all have our own concerns. We don't ever seem to do that anymore, do we? We always want the, if you're in the this industry, you want the clickbait. Aha, this person was a fraud. This person's a sellout. This person is a jerk. If it was just some ordinary person, we just love calling them out. Just something to, uh, I've been thinking about this week. But the other thing it is, is sometimes rejection hurts. And even if this is not rejection, even if this is, you know, just being ignored, it's easy to let that impact your future actions to say, you know, don't ask for help ever again. Don't ask anyone else because that experience ended badly for you. We let these things get on top of us. And sometimes bad things happen. And they affect our future actions. And it affects our future interactions with people. We can't let that happen. We have to keep on striving to be better. But we also need to think of other people. That's what I've been thinking a lot about this week. And especially as we approach this holiday season. If you're Christian like me, you're approaching that Mary be the holiest time of the year, depending on your view between Christmas and Easter. Even if you're not a Christian or you're a Jew, you're heading to this holiday season of New Year and whatever you celebrate, you know, where you're taking some time off, you're going to be around family and friends, you're going to have some food. I think it's important we regain touch with our humanity, where we see things from other people's point of view. See how they're feeling. Understand it's not all about us. And it's with this that I actually want to share some stories that I thought were really exciting this week. And one of them includes my boss Glenn Beck. So apparently Tyler Perry started a new trend, which I think is awesome. You know, full disclosure, if you're a long-term listener, you know I'm not a... You know, I'm not the most cool and hip guy, so I don't know who Tyler Perry is. But he started this real cool thing where you go to pay for everyone's layaway items in Walmart. Show you how out the loop is. I had to Google what layaway was. I was like, what is this? Because I saw Glenn do it. I think that's amazing. I think just making little impacts to people's lives, that is the gift of Christmas. That is... Why I say America is great because Americans are good. It's not Donald Trump. It's not Paul Ryan or Nancy Pelosi. It's about individuals doing incredibly gifted and talented things. So to Tyler Perry, great for you starting that. To my boss, Glenn Beck, hat tip brother, great job. I wish I was in a position to help. Uh, you did it. And also I see, I see Kid Rock did it. I'm sure other people did it. My, I salute my hat to you. That is the quintessential great gift of Christmas. You have made a difference in ever how many people's lives. Because Christmas can be a great time, but it also, because of the world we live in, can be really tough. You know, things aren't cheap. And, you know, saying no to kids isn't easy. You know, kids who want iPhones and fancy games and game consoles and presents. You know, times have changed when, even since when I was growing up, of what Christmas was. Of what gifts you could expect. It's incredibly expensive now, and if you're in a you know, low-income family or in a single-parent family, it can be really tough. So you've made a big difference. You've taken a, a bill off a, a family's household. That will make a difference, and you will make some kids' Christmas and some families' Christmas. So hat tip to you guys. This is the last show of the year. Next week is obviously right before Christmas. It's the Saturday before Christmas Eve, and then the week after is New Year's, so we're going to be off the next couple of weeks. I have a lot of stuff to do on my Irish job. Uh, I work in retail, so my job is crazy. I am literally about to start a seven-day shift of, I think it's crazy, nine, ten-hour shifts of physical work, and then I have a lot of other work to do as well. I have a lot of things I'm excited to share with you come January 1st. We're going to be making a big difference in 2019, that I can tell you. I don't have the details fully nailed down yet because there's a lot of moving parts. But I will be among you a lot more in 2019. That is my promise to you. That is my promise. And I keep my promises. Even if this friend of mine never emails me back and 
and other friends who I might write, reach out to in the future doesn't even if they don't reach out, nothing's stopping me. The message has to be the same. And in 2019, we're going to start sharing it because we need to stand for principles now more than ever. So I want to thank you for all your kind, your your help, your love and your support over the last year. You've made this year an incredible year. And in 2019, we're going to do even more. But we're going to do it with your help. I cannot do it without you. This is a journey we are all on together. We are going to make a difference. We are going to tell the stories of why America is great. We're going to tell the principles of why your founders were great. We're going to share your history, both good and bad, and highlight a way forward. And that way forward revolves around the individual, around freedom, and around love, and around charity. Thank you so much for everything. I thank you again from the bottom of my heart for 2018, and see you in 2019. And as always, we finish this show the way we do each and every week, by saluting those who serve. Our extreme thanks to those who serve and their families who support them your police, your firefighters, your emergency personnel, and your vets. And lastly, I salute you, the American people. Never, ever, ever forget, America is great because Americans are good. See you in 2019, America. God bless. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.